You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Indeed, God is real. I just love coming to this point of the Christmas celebration. Christmas Eve, there's some calm and peace. You've been finishing up the last little bit of preparations, shopping. As I was driving here, I saw a lot of cars still at the mall, and I wanted to go run in there and say, it's too late, come on, get out of here and come to church. And now we sit, and for the next few moments, there's kind of that peace and that calm before it all kind of starts up again. And, and let's face it, Christmas is a chaotic time of year, and, um, and, and yet right now, we've come to a little bit of a halt. We've sung Silent Night and Away in a Manger. We've heard God's Word read here for us tonight. And it's kind of like we get a little chance to breathe before possibly kind of the chaotic uh, time kind of kicks in in the next few days once again, or even in the next few hours. And there's something about this kind of year, or, or uh, this time of year, and it kind of grabs my attention. I enjoy the Christmas season. I'm a little strange that way for a guy to really enjoy the Christmas season, but I do. And I'm always intrigued a little bit by some of the things that go on in, in our world each year. And, and a few pictures in, in uh, our chaos. And, and, and just so you can kind of see, we're going to dim the lights for this part, because some of these are hard to see. In Toronto, there's the Fashion Santa, who's kind of taken um, the social media and, and kind of the media by storm. He's a, a, a fit in a trim kind of a Santa that uh, has gained a lot of popularity. So there's a, there's a Fashion Santa this year. Then you look at kind of, you know what, just some of the decorations that happen. And this picture doesn't quite show it, but here's that one guy who, who just decks out his house. And in the little left-hand corner, you see the little green there. And it points with an arrow and it says ditto. So his neighbor just put ditto. It's like, I can't even compete, so just ditto that and, you know, it's all good. You know, and so, you know, it, it, there's some creativity there between the neighbors. And, and then just all of the other parts of the Christmas season, from the packed out shopping malls to, you know, at the Christmas trees and the presents and the meal that, that, that we enjoy during the Christmas season... It, it's fun, it's chaotic, and I enjoy the lights and the decorations. In fact, today, um, I think a little bit to Charlotte's shock, uh, Save on Foods was giving away their Christmas trees. So we picked up two of them, don't know why. Um, brought one into the house in the basement, needles all over the place, and there it sits. And we're not even sure what, but it smells good. You know, and so, you know, you kind of do these kind of chaotic kind of things that go on. E even true addition, last Saturday, Charlotte and I took off for a little while to the mall. We really didn't have that much shopping to do, but we just thought, let's just go. Kids didn't want to come. That was fine. We just went and walked the mall, saw the chaos, and just kind of people watched. You know, it's kind of a unique time to do that, you know, and, and just see everything that goes on. There's something chaotic and yet wonderful about it. And, uh, and so... And, and yet when we get to this point, we get to really take some time to reflect. And this is what, though ultimately I enjoy about it, is being able to open the Word of God and for us to be reminded once again as to why we are doing all of this, why we are going through this season of chaos. And over the next few moments, we're going to take a look at Jesus because we need Him in our lives. We need Him in our families. Our world needs Jesus. And when you look at the confusion and the chaos in our world, you just see 
that much more how much we need Jesus. This past year, to see the terrorism that has, has been spreading around our world, in the United States, in France, and, and in so many other regions, we just see a world that's out of control. A year ago at this time, if I, we would have said the word ISIS, people would have wondered, huh? What are you talking about? We really wouldn't even, was barely even on the radar a year ago at this time, and now it seems our world is gripped with fear and confusion about this. Again, a year ago at this time, Syria and refugee crisis, again, wasn't on the radar very much. Yes, there were things developing and, ha and happening there, but we didn't seem to really know that much about it, and just think how much of our conversations in the media is taken up with these items I've just mentioned. This past year has seen economic unrest. Shocking to see the price of oil where it's at and to see it's still expensive here in Kelowna. And rather frustrating, you know, and it was going really good there and then all of a sudden went crazy last week and shot up and I'm like, what's with that? You know, and the political landscape in Canada changed drastically this past year and a lot of polarization we've seen in our nation because of that and we're starting to see that start to happen in the United States as they go into an election year. Traditional marriage and family values continue to erode and it just seems like it's just going out of control. It's a chaotic world that we're living in and how much we need to remember and reflect on that silent night, that holy night that quiet night, although there was a newborn involved, I don't think it was that quiet. There was a lot of, lot, uh, lot of life going on in that night when Christ was born. Because it is with Jesus, though, that we have hope. It is Jesus that there is hope for our world. And so tonight we're going to look at the real Christmas story for a few moments. But we're not going to look at it from the traditional passages where we would normally turn to in Matthew and in Luke. Instead, we are going to look in John's Gospel. And John doesn't mention anything about Mary and Joseph or the shepherds or the wise men or the star, anything like that. What he does, though, is so revealing in what he talks about. In fact, he takes us back before all of that. He takes us back to the beginning, before the world was created. And so I'd like to read for you here in John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So here we see these verses. It talks about the word, word, or logos in Greek. And this means, and, and it says here, this word was God. And it goes in, in here, we could substitute for the word, word, the, the name of Jesus, because that's who John is talking about. So I'm just going to reread verse 1, and it might just change a little bit of the focus in how you hear this. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. So just kind of change it to give you the meaning. So, so why does John, as he's writing this, use the word word to describe Jesus? Why does he do that sort of a thing? And, and we see right from the beginning, because Jesus was God, we see they had face-to-face -face relationship. There's equality. There was togetherness. There was unity between the two of them, between Jesus and between Jesus the Son and God the Father. So why didn't John just say Jesus? It would have been so much 
easier for us to understand. But here, what John is trying to do is help us to try to comprehend the incomprehensible. Because no matter how we try to get our heads around this, it's going to be hard to get our to fully understand it because it's to do with God. And God is so much more stronger and greater and full of wisdom than we can ever comprehend. But you see, in the Old Testament, when you read through the Old Testament, you always hear about this. The way that you would find out about God, who He was and about His nature, was God spoke. He spoke through words. And all throughout the Old Testament you hear, and God spoke, and God said. And so God revealed Himself to humans that were on the earth through the spoken word. And today there are many different ways that we communicate with people. We communicate with people through the written word. Remember what it's like, some of you, to actually write a letter? You know, maybe it's been a number of years since you've written a letter or a Christmas card. You can communicate through letters, through the written word. You email, you text people, and, and yet with the written word, it's sometimes kind of hard to kind of bring in emotion into what it is, even though texting has emojis now. So you can, you know what, let your emotions kind of flow a little bit more in your text. We can, can also... Um, communicate to others with words through the spoken word. I can pick up the telephone and I can call someone and speak to them. I can speak to them on the other side of the world. I can speak to, 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 uh, to someone through a, a message or a recording. That's another way that we can, can, can use words is the spoken words that we speak. But the better way to communicate, I mean, and now even technology allows us to do, you know, not just the telephone, but through FaceTime and Skype, we can, can talk to anyone. And yet, the best way to communicate with someone, Chris, can you stand up for a moment, please? The best way to communicate, I can, I can stand here and just write Chris, you know what, some, you know, some, you know, words and, and, and pass notes back and forth to him. Or I can, can speak to him like this, look him in the eye, and I can even touch him. This is the best way to communicate, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, he agrees. Good way to communicate. Thank you, Chris. I'll reward you afterwards. And, um, I will. And, um, and, and so we have this kind of communication that the best is face-to-face, -face where you can touch someone, you can look at them in the eye, you get to read their body language, because body language says a lot. You can't show body language through a text message in the same way that you can when you see someone face-to-face. -face. And so John is telling us here that the spoken word that we see in the Old Testament, that God, who was just... They were just able to hear from him and the words that others wrote down that God wanted them to write. Now the spoken word becomes flesh. God became flesh. He took on human form. He had skin. Emmanuel, God with us. That was the promise. God walked on the face of this earth. Just think about this for a couple moments. This is pretty cool when you think about it. Jesus, you know, after Sabbath school, you know, he probably had Sabbath school. And so afterwards, he would go out with, you know, to maybe a playground area or to a field while the parents are talking. And he might run around a little bit. And he would run around with his little friends. And they would bump into each other. And they would play tag or whatever games they would do. it. And they had no idea. His little friends had no idea. They were playing tag, playing games with God. Himself. How cool is that? 
Then later on when he was a carpenter and, and he would be in the carpenter shop and he would leave the carpenter shop at the end of the day and his mother would somehow get some message to him to go to the market and pick up some fish or whatever it might be. And you know, you want fish for dinner, Jesus? You gotta pick some up. And so he goes off to the market, you know, that the guy who just wouldn't leave home, you know, single guy, just kind of the way it goes. You know, and so he goes to the market and is busy and he's bumping into people. And little did they know that the guy that was buying fish from them was the one who made the fish. That when they bumped into him in the crowded streets, they were bumping into Jesus. But not just to Jesus, but to God. God in the flesh. Like, this is so incredibly amazing. I mean, Jesus had skin. He probably, as a teenager, struggled with acne. He had a beard. Cheyenne, you should be thrilled that Jesus, no doubt, probably had a beard. And uh, my wife... Uh, bought me already. I opened the gift, and, and it's a shaving kit, and so I guess that's my hint to, to uh, her hint to me that I'm not supposed to grow a beard, and it's a really sweet shaving kit. Never had one quite like that German engineer, even. You know, and so, I mean, these things are, are rather, I mean, now I'm just digressing about beards, but Jesus probably had a beard, you know, and, and so think of, but Colossians 1 says that Jesus was the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Jesus was that image of the God who could never be seen. Before that, he was only the Word. But now the Word has come in the form of flesh, of bones, of skin. Blood flowed through his body. Flesh upon flesh, that's who he was. God took on flesh and he walked among us. I like the way that I heard one person say, he walked into the neighborhood. God walked into the house. He walked into the office. He walked into the mall. He walked into the inn here tonight. God walked on the face of this earth. He, he is here in his presence, but if he was here today, he'd come walking right in, just as he did 2,000 years ago. So Jesus reveals to us God in the flesh, but he also reveals to us the heart of God. You see, Jesus is the expression of God's thoughts and God's heart. We see the love of God manifest in Jesus. Jesus loved every person that, came in, that he came in contact with. Every one of them. Even the ones he didn't come in contact with. He loved every one of them. When people turned away from him, it broke his heart. He wasn't like, well, forget you then. You know, he cried. He wept over Jerusalem because of all those that rejected him. It wasn't, you rejected me, fine, I'll reject you. No, that bothered him. He, there was emotion there because of his love. He reveals the heart of God to us. God came in the flesh. I mean, and his love was so immense and so amazing as we see his heart that he came to this earth to die on the cross, to die for our sins, though he himself did nothing wrong. He died a criminal's death, taking all of the sin of the world upon him for us. God in the flesh came to die. And just as the angel told Joseph that he is coming to save his people from their sins. That's why he came. So that he died so that we might run to him and live. So that we can be in right standing with God. And so God because of this, can be our friend, Romans 5 talks about. We can be a friend to the God of this universe because 
he came to this earth. The cross demonstrated to us his love for us. You want to know what God is like? Just look at Jesus. Just look at him. The third thing we see is Jesus meets us where we are at. Never once did Jesus ever say to anyone, Hey, before I help you, before I heal you, before I step into your life, you better clean yourself up a little bit. You better smarten up a little bit and, and get your act together, and then I'll consider being your friend. Then I'll consider helping you. Then I'll consider healing you. He reached out to everyone. From the religious, to the poor, to the weak, to the strong, to the confused, to the low lives of society, to those who struggled, to those who were successful, to the prostitute, to the tax collector, to the elite of society, people from different races and different backgrounds, right to the very thief on the cross. He reached out to both thieves on the cross. Jesus meets us where we're at, wherever you're at today. Jesus will meet us. God in the flesh will meet us. Tuesday, a number of us from Harvest went and, and volunteered at the food bank. And, and it was just an amazing experience for us to be a part of. And, and uh, I said to one of the organizers, I said, next year, I said, we're going to bring the whole church. Because this is just a wonderful way to come and serve and, and to, to be a part of our community in such a way. And, uh, and it was interesting at the food bank as we were helping with hampers and, and uh, walking alongside and interacting with the clients who were coming for, for Christmas hampers. You know, we saw a lot of hurting people. A lot of desperate people. But later on, that afternoon I was at the mall once again. It was Cheyenne's in my office for the afternoon. And we went and we were working at the food court. And you know what I saw there? A lot of hurting people. A lot of desperate people. <coughs> Whether they're at the food bank lineup or in the mall lineup, we are all in desperate need of Jesus, of God in the flesh in our lives. Without Him, we are desperate. Without Him, it's hopeless. And He meets us right where we're at. Not the cleaned up version of us, not the one who is getting some good momentum, you know, getting some, some victory in, in areas of... No, he meets us right where we're at. We can run to him. And he will meet us. And he will love us. Fourth thing we see about Jesus is that he experienced everything that we experience and even more. Everything we have gone through or will go through, Jesus went through. He can relate to us in our joys and in our laughter and he celebrates with us when we're celebrating but he's there in our suffering and in our sorrow. Have you ever been so overwhelmed in life, so filled with grief that you, you know, that your only response was that of almost a groan? You couldn't even express words, you couldn't express a prayer, you just, your heart was so heavy, you were so filled with emotion that, that all you could do was groan, yet Jesus was there when he was at the, the grave of his friend Lazarus and he was overcome by grief as he saw his sisters, as he saw the sorrow and the sadness and he saw the ugliness of death, it's, we see that, that before he spoke and before he did anything as he wept 
he also groaned his heaviness of heart. Have you ever been so heavy of heart that all you could do is just force out just one of those heavy... <gasps> God in the flesh did that. He is experienced and he experienced everything that we've experienced. Have you ever been tired, worn down, run down, dependent on someone else? Jesus was. Have you ever been tempted, attacked, attacked by Satan? Jesus was. Have you ever been betrayed by people close to you? Or even perhaps a family member or an entire family turned against you? Jesus was. Have you ever been lonely, forsaken by everyone, abused, beaten, emotionally, physically? Jesus was. Experienced. Have you experienced or even experiencing excruciating pain? Jesus did. By taking on a human body when God came to earth through Jesus Christ, God in the flesh experienced everything that we experience. This and even more. Hebrews 4.15 says that tells us that we have a high priest who can sympathize with us because he experienced everything that we've experienced. He knows that's how we can turn to Him. When I've gone through certain struggles and issues in my life, I've turned to someone older, someone wiser, someone who has walked through some of the experiences that I have. And, and that's a good idea to do that in life. To have that. I mean, I just on the way here, just earlier this, this evening, I was talking to a friend, one of the men here in our church, and he was telling me about an electrical woe that he... Um, has had where he keeps kind of electrocuting himself and, and he said something to me said, and I gave a few little answers I said well did you shut the power off and you know asked a few questions and, and he said well next time I'll get you to come help me and I'm like don't get me I mean I'll fry both of us you know I don't know I, I do know you should turn the breaker off if you're going to do electrical power you need to go to someone who knows what they're talking about go to an electrician go to someone who's, who's already kind of figured out how to do this wiring so you don't get electrocuted right we do that in life. We can do that in all things. We can turn to Jesus because He has experienced it all. He's gone through it all. Jesus experienced everything and more. And the more part I'm talking about was that He went to the cross. He endured the wrath of God, the punishment for sins. That is something that if we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we will never have to endure the wrath of God, the punishment for our sins, because it's all been put on Jesus. That's the good news of Christmas, is that the, the manger led not to the throne, but to the cross. He went to the cross for us. Love this statement by John MacArthur, I believe it will be on the screen here. In Jesus, the unknowable becomes knowable. The invisible becomes, becomes visible. The transcendent becomes intimate. The untouchable becomes touchable. The unreachable becomes embraceable. And God is never again a stranger to a believing heart. Isn't that amazing? This is the good news that filled the people with great joy that the angels talked about. I bring you good news of great joy that the once untouchable God is now touchable in human flesh. But there's also here in John chapter 1 some very sad news and unfortunate news in verse 10. 
It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. Yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own people did not even receive Him. So He comes to His own world, the creation that He created, to His own people, and they reject Him. They don't receive Him. His own family didn't receive Him. Religious people didn't receive Him. Herod didn't receive Him. The rich young ruler didn't receive Him. And this just shows the blindness of the human heart, the arrogance of the heart. They refuse to believe in Him. They refuse to bend the knee. God in the flesh walked among them, and yet they just continued in their ways. He reached out to them. He spoke to them. He taught them. He healed them. He loved them, and yet they rejected Him. And today the same sort of thing continues. Jesus reveals Himself through the Word of God through the finished work of the cross of Christ that we celebrate. He speaks to us through His Word and through prayer. And He speaks to us through His people. He reaches out to the world, and yet the world rejects Him. Today, people in churches all over the world will hear the gospel message, and they will reject it. Possibly even in this room, that can happen. They're rejecting, we can reject the work that He wants to do in our lives. They rejected the one able to meet their deepest needs because why? Because He didn't provide for them their temporal greeds. So oftentimes, we even see people, they came to Jesus for what they could give Him. They, they wanted Him on the throne. They wanted to fix everything. They didn't want the cross. They wanted temporary relief and comfort and peace. And yet he offers so much more. He offers eternal life. Jesus was rejected and then and he'll be rejected today. Because people love darkness rather than light. We'll want to continue in our sin than to allow him to control our lives. They figure they're going to miss out too much in the world by bending the knee to Jesus. And how can we be so blind? Because here, it's life without Christ is, that's missing out. We're missing out the life that he has for us. We want to hold on to the controls rather than running to the one who controls it all. But you know what? There's some good news. There are those that rejected, but... Listen to this in verse 12. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Now, who likes getting a gift at Christmas? Yeah, we all like... Anyone still sitting here tonight, you're slightly distracted in that you're thinking, there's someone I forgot to get a gift for. Does anyone have that? Did that thought come across someone? Tyler, did that happen to you? Well, you know what? This, this may help you, all right? Now, you probably like to receive gifts, right? Yeah. So, more than likely, you're going to take this gift, you're going to receive it, and maybe instead of giving it to who you're going to give it to, you might open it yourself. And, and, and I just encourage you, if you do, please share it with your family on the way home. You'll probably rip it open before you even, you know, before the car even starts, because I just know that's way. And Chris, because you helped me before, I, I've got a, a nice gift for you. It's, it's helpful. And so, you know, just, just encourage you to, you know, enjoy that. We all enjoy receiving a gift, right? But if he just kind of now holds on to this, it'll go moldy. Um, you know, if he just holds on to it and looks at it, it, it won't do him any good. No, I mean, he's got to take it. He's got to receive it. He's got to open it. And in this case, he's got to consume it. That's the way you receive a gift, correct? 
And maybe it's, you know, I got to put my gift to work today and I, I shaved before I came and we were kind of joking, maybe they're going to be bad razors and I'm going to end up with all these little, little red dots who look really Christmassy all over my face. But, but it worked really, really well. And, and so we love receiving gifts. But in order for it to be used for its intended purposes, you've got to receive it and then you've got to start using it. You know what, if it's a picture on the wall, you put it up on the wall, not just hide it somewhere in the closet. Christmas is the story of the ultimate gift. It's been offered to you. You can receive it tonight if you've never received it. You just have to take and open it. And then you start living it. You start walking in that. And that's what we're about, is trying to help one another walking with Jesus in a relationship. That's what discipleship is all about and something we're big on in Harvest. Christmas is the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, freedom from guilt. No punishment at the end of our lives for our sin because it's all on Jesus. He took it all. And see, this, this verse continues. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. So we have the word receive, you take the gift, but it says that word believe. And that word believe is really important. This isn't just an intellectual, yes, 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 I believe that Jesus walked on the face of this earth. History proves it. You know, oh yeah, I've done the research. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, you need an intellectual mind to believe it. But that word believe is more than intellectual. That word to believe, who believed in his name, means to cling to, to rely on, to entrust yourself to, to surrender yourself. So when you take and receive Jesus and believe in him and rely on him and surrender yourself to him and say, here's my heart, he says, now that is someone I can bless. That is somebody that I can walk with. And his spirit comes into us and he empowers us to live the life that we could never live on our own. It says he gave the right then to become a child of God. We get adopted into his family. We become his sons and his daughters. And he is a loving father, a perfect father, who protects and provides, meets our needs, and he says, no one will snatch you out of my hand. You're mine. That is God in the flesh. That is the loving father. And God says, receive my son. Like he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must make a change. You must turn your life around. Repent and change directions. Quit going your own direction and follow God's direction for your life. And he says, and I'll take care of you. Have you done that today? If you have, wonderful. If you haven't, would encourage you to do so. Let's pray. Father, right now we come to you and we just thank you that God came in the flesh. And we can know this God in a personal way because of Jesus. And I pray that if there are those here who have never called out to you and have received that gift of salvation, they would just, in their heart of hearts, even right now, just pray a simple prayer of inviting you to come in to their lives, to forgive them of their sins, thanking Jesus for dying on the cross and then believing, entrusting, surrendering their lives to Him. You can pray a simple prayer like that in the quietness even, even now as we get ready to sing. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that doesn't even know you today, that 
they would receive the best gift ever. That gift changed everything for this world and will change everything in our lives and will change our eternal destiny. Thank you that God in the flesh came to this world, died in our place, adopted those that receive him, that believe in him, into his family. I pray for each person here who's maybe once knew you in this close way, but have drifted. They become distracted or they're even being tricked right now by the enemy. We're all drift. We all drift from time to time. We are prone to wander. Lord, may we be drawn back to you tonight, God in the flesh, someone who has experienced everything we've experienced. Maybe it's a hurt we're walking through. Maybe it's a disappointment. Maybe it's an illness. Whatever it is, may we be able to just turn that over to you and trust you. May we hear even tonight, just even call out to you in this prayer that we're going to sing. We need you, Father, to face life's uncertainties. To know that the God of this universe walks with us today. Those struggling with fear and anxiety, may we just turn things over to you and know that you are the one in control because you are the one who created all things. And you are one who is preparing a place for your children.